on you, you censorious bug. a radical, call me outrageous, call me a loose cannon, but I always thought that a birthday party should be a celebratory occasion, that it should be, you know, fun and festive. Last Friday was Canada's 155th birthday, and I'm certain millions of Canadians found ways to celebrate the occasion with family members and friends, soaking up that July 1st weather, punctuated with barbecuing and beer drinking, Ah, the sweet, sweet summertime. It's always too short a season in Canada, is it not? (laughs) But if you happen to show up on Parliament Hill last weekend, which is typically home to Canada's biggest birthday bash, well, fun and frivolity and festivity were replaced by the hallmarks of a police state. I do not exaggerate, folks. Dominion Day weekend was reminiscent of the Rolling Thunder event in late April. That's when hundreds of bikers planned to ride around the National War Memorial to pay tribute to our veterans. Now, this was not a protest nor a demonstration. It was all about bikers, many of them veterans themselves, showing respect to those individuals that Justin Trudeau says are asking for too much. August 24th, 2015. You made the promise, and I'll quote it here, No veteran will be forced to fight their own government for the support and compensation they have earned. Yet you are still currently in a legal battle with veterans regarding equal support and compensation to their peers. You have ISIL or ISIS members coming into a reintegration program. You did a backdoor deal with Omar Qadar with not even stepping into the courtroom. You know, so... Again, my question is, what veterans were you talking about? Was the ones that fought for the freedoms and values that you so proudly boast about, or was it the ones who fought against? Because honestly, Mr. Prime Minister, I was prepared to be injured in the line of duty when I, went to, when I joined the military. Nobody forced me to join the military. I was prepared to be killed in action. What I wasn't prepared for, Mr. Prime Minister, is Canada turning its back on me. So which veteran was it that you were talking about? Why are we still uh, fighting against certain uh, veterans groups in court? Uh, Because uh, they're asking for more than we are able to give right now. But Ottawa went into full shutdown mode in April, reducing Rolling Thunder to a tiny trickle. Most of the bikers never got into downtown Ottawa with their hogs. In fact, if you are riding a Harley that weekend and displaying shockers, a Canadian flag, chances are you were profiled by law enforcement and essentially told that undesirables weren't welcome in Ottawa. So kindly get out of Dodge if you know what's good for you. Indeed, more than a thousand additional law enforcement personnel from other police services in Ontario were called into Ottawa to patrol the streets and set up checkpoints and write tickets. There was no way Justin Trudeau was going to allow Freedom Convoy 2.0 to happen, even though that was never the intention of the bikers in the first place. 
everybody knew that to be true, including the prime minister. So the whole exercise was basically law enforcement street theater. It was the Justin Trudeau liberals demonstrating to the people of Ottawa that they were going to do everything possible to protect the citizens, even though there was no clear and present danger to begin with. Then again, to paraphrase a Tina Turner song, what's truth got to do with it? And so it was that Dominion Day weekend in Ottawa was deja vu all over again in terms of the capital city morphing into a police state. Those temporary no-stopping signs popped up all over downtown. Hey, you couldn't even idle your car upon a legal parking spot unless you wanted to have your vehicle hauled away to some impound lot, and many were. The no-stopping signage stated that a so-called special event was taking place in Ottawa. Special event? Uh, like what? Was an outdoor rock concert or a circus or something like that coming to town? Oh, goodness gracious, no. The special event is what the Liberals referred to as the suspension of the rights and freedoms and liberties Canadians used to freely embrace and enjoy. Be it freedom of expression or freedom of religion, the members of the Ottawa Police Service and Ottawa Bylaw Enforcement were on constant patrol last weekend, ticket books and handcuffs at the ready. Oh, isn't that special? <clears throat> no, it was grotesque, actually. Canadian families were showing up to Parliament Hill to celebrate Canada's birthday, and they were being demonized as either a basket full of deplorables, thanks, Hillary, or a bunch of yahoos, thanks, Premier Ford. And gee, whatever happened to you, Doug? <laughs> The fireworks display was moved to another area and the traditional flyover by the snowbirds was cancelled. Even ice cream trucks were told to move along or get fined. Ottawa was truly a fun-free zone during Canada's birthday. And yet, no one was coming to Parliament Hill wearing trouble on their shirt sleeves. Actually, folks, I'm getting ahead of myself Getting onto Parliament Hill was no sure thing last weekend, you see. The Parliamentary Protective Service set up airport-style security at the entrance to the hill, complete with metal detectors and pat-downs. It was surreal. And get this, when my cameraman Mauricio and I arrived in Ottawa on June 29th, we were actually denied entry to Parliament Hill and even suspended from the hill for the rest of the day because we would not surrender our devices, such as cameras and cell phones. You see, the gatekeepers wanted to go through our photo and video libraries. They wanted to permanently erase content that they did not approve of. Were we in Canada in 2022 or East Berlin circa 1946? Check it out. So maybe is it like sort of like the way the fringe flags or the F Trudeau flags? Would that 
you know, the way the fringe, the Trudeau flags, would that be under the ban maybe? Or? Pretty sure it would. Okay. But I'm not sure. I would all, again, I would probably double check with the supervisor or something. These are all, there's so many um, different like things that are not allowed. And if I'm not sure, I just double check with the supervisor. But I wouldn't see why it would be allowed. Um, all, there's like a, a big list. <laughs> sure, but there's a full list like of all the items that are allowed and not allowed here. Sure. So if I, but I, I would just be really personally interested in the flag policy management. You see a lot of Ukrainian flags. People are standing in solidarity sure. with Ukraine, right? Would that be allowed? Or, uh... For sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So I'm going to ask you to turn off the camera, please. Oh, this is security. I... No, security. We don't film. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Can you delete it? Well, we, we Can you delete it? it? No. Yeah, you need to delete it. It's security. You can't film. Why would I? Because this is security. When you go to the airport, do you film inside? Okay, then. Well, we have a policy of not deleting our footage. Like, no, but this is door. security here. This is security. You can't film. Anything beyond security, you're allowed to do anything you want. But anything here, you can't film. You can't take pictures. I'm going to ask you to delete it. Therefore, for the rest of the night, uh, we are not allowed on Parliament Hill. Can you believe that? Fan Needless to say, we did not comply with their orders. And we were promptly suspended. So much for freedom of the press, I guess. But get this, just like the overwhelming presence of law enforcement, the security checkpoints were also about putting on a show as opposed to doing something tangible. You see, with my suspension from the Hill over, I returned to Parliament Hill on Sunday, July 3rd, to see if it would be if I would be allowed to stand on the grassy incline. I turned off my recording devices, got in line, got patted down, got scanned, had my bag thoroughly searched, and then once past Checkpoint Charlie, I began to film my report, and that's when a most amazing thing occurred. The security checkpoint I had just passed through was disassembled and packed away in a van. Check it out. So, in other words, had I visited Parliament Hill just five minutes later, I wouldn't have had to have gone through security. I guess criminals and terrorists only attempt to get on the hill before 5 p.m., as opposed to after 5 p.m. Does this make any sense to anyone? Of course not. It was completely nonsensical. What's more, this too, was so much security street theater orchestrated by the Trudeau liberals in order to pretend they were protecting Canadians from a threat that did not exist. The Freedom Convoy may be long gone from Ottawa, but the demonization and vilification continues. You know, it was enough to make one protest all of these indignities, except that Parliament Hill was inexplicably a protest-free zone during Dominion Day weekend. Case in point, there is a political prisoner currently incarcerated in Ottawa these days. That would be Tamara Leach. Her imprisonment is an outrage, of course. But look what happened when a supporter wrote free Tamara Leach in chalk upon a sidewalk. Uh, I was helping uh, write. <laughs> I was helping uh, write uh, 
free Tamara and free Pat King, political prisoners ac across the Wellington Street, and I was pulled over and given a fine of $1,130. What did you use? What did you use to ride that on the streets? Chalk. So Parliament Hill, which should be the one place in Canada where protests against the government should be deemed sacred, is now a demonstration-free zone. And how did that happen? And is this the so-called new normal moving forward? Golly, it was only two summers ago that BLM protesters were painting Black Lives Matter on streets and sidewalks. They didn't receive any tickets. In fact, those Marxists even vandalized and tore down statues they didn't care for. And not only did law enforcement turn the other cheek, they actually bent the knee in solidarity with these vandals. <laughs> Uncanny. Oh, we also happened upon street preachers on Wellington Street last weekend. But alas, preaching the gospel and handing out leaflets would not be tolerated either. Bytown's brave and bold bylaw officers descended upon these preachers en masse. They were told they could not remain stationary, even though they were not impeding the passage of anyone. They were, however, permitted to walk and talk. Yeah, walk and talk, you know, like prisoners in the penitentiary yard during exercise period. Then again, downtown Ottawa, in many regards last weekend, resembled a maximum security facility. And from the fun police to the flag police, the gatekeepers at Parliament Hill were very picky about which flags one could bring up upon the hill, assuming you were allowed on the hill, that is. In any event, the Canadian flag, which is now vilified in some circles thanks to its association with the freedom movement, was thankfully allowed to be displayed. But I was informed flags bearing slogans such as F. Trudeau and We the Fringe were verboten. Apparently, one is not allowed to hurt the feelings of the governing liberals anymore. It's not a law, of course. It's just a memo. Oh, I asked about another flag that is very popular these days, namely the blue and yellow flag of Ukraine. Can one display that on the hill, I inquired? And the officer said I had raised a very good question and that she'd have to check with her supervisor to see if indeed the Ukrainian flag could be displayed. No, folks, I am not making this up. <clears throat> you see, the theme on the Hill on this particular weekend was that Ottawa would be a so-called hate-free zone. And so it was that the display of certain flags, preaching the gospel, writing messages of solidarity for Tamara Leach, heck, even making unnecessary noise, all of that was deemed to be acts of hatred. But as this grotesque clampdown of freedom of expression was taking place in Ottawa, all in the name of stamping out hate, well, get a load of what was taking place just down Highway 401 in Toronto on that very same weekend. I speak of the conference that was staged by the Muslim Association of Canada at the Enercare Centre, the conference was rife with hate. Now, you are forgiven if this comes as news to you, given that there was virtually zero mainstream media coverage of this event. However, thankfully, 
Terry Glavin of the National Post did write about this event in a recent column entitled, quote, The Liberals are funding hate. How else to describe the speakers at this Toronto convention? End quote. The subhead states, quote, Speakers at Muslim Association of Canada gathering will include one who advocates the death penalty for homosexuality and another who says it's okay to beat your wife, end quote. Whoa, Nellie, surely there must be some mistake here. There were folks at this Hogtown gathering who were advocating execution for gays and on the heels of Pride Month, no less, and wife beating too. Now, call me rash, but I think this business of physically beating up an insubordinate female is the very textbook definition of, oh, you know, misogyny. Here's what Mr. Glavin chronicled, quote, Homosexuality is filthy, and homosexual acts warrant the death penalty. Christian Arabs who protect Jews from murderers are traitors. A man should be permitted to beat his wife. These are among the obscene ideas promoted by several of the individuals who will be featured speakers at a national three-day conference beginning on Canada Day in Toronto, hosted by an organization that the Trudeau government has provided with more than $3 million in federal anti-hate, youth engagement, and security funding over the past three years, end quote. Geez, Louise, where, oh, where are the hate police when you really need them? Oh, but it gets worse, as Glavin notes, it is the Muslim Association of Canada that is playing the victim card these days. You see, the association claims it has been unfairly singled out by the Canada Revenue Agency. The CRA has been auditing the Muslim Association of Canada going back to 2015. And the association claims there is a, quote, systemic Islamophobic bias in the bureaucracy, end quote. <clears throat> and get this, the association's biggest ally is none other than, drumroll please, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Yes, the PM actually suggested last year that the organization's Islamophobia allegations may indeed have some merit. As Glavin notes in Trudeau's opening comments to a mostly closed Islamophobia summit in Ottawa last July, the PM said the CRA should abandon practices that target Muslims. Said Trudeau, quote, institutions should support people, not target them, end quote. Um, is that right? Even when those institutions might be, you know, breaking the law, Justin? Hmm. It's fascinating. Trudeau is basically telling the tax man to back off because he believes the CRA is systemically Islamophobic. Then again, Trudeau has a much better use for the CRA these days, doesn't he? Which is to say, of course, he wants the CRA to go after independent media organizations, such as Rebel News, given that we are not on the list of so-called qualified Canadian journalism organizations. Yes, our mission statement is to provide the other side of the story, and that's not quite halal when it comes to the Trudeau Liberals, given how hell-bent they are 
to introduce laws that will give them the power to actually censor the internet. But these censorious thugs take no issue whatsoever with the speakers at last weekend's Muslim Association of Canada event, such as Mohammed Rateb al-Nablusi. This Syrian citizen is best known for his Nablusi Encyclopedia of Islamic Science. Oh, some science. More like weird science. That's because this charming document defends the death penalty as a punishment for homosexuality on the grounds that being gay, quote, involves a filthy place and does not generate offspring, end quote. Uh, gee, how odd. I didn't hear of the Spirit Unicorn people staging a protest outside the Entercare Center last weekend. Hmm. Then there was the event's featured speaker, that would be Jamal Badawi, who says that Islam permits wife-beating. And he is also someone who defends suicide bombings as heroic acts. So there you have it, folks, advocating death to gays and endorsing wife-beating and giving the thumbs up to deadly acts of terrorism. Um, am I missing some nuance here? Because this rhetoric really sounds very hateful indeed. But then again, in the stupefying words of our Prime Minister, maybe me and you, we're experiencing things differently. What a vile, horrific double standard that is at play here. And while several speakers at the Muslim Association of Canada event were preaching violence and even death to certain identifiable groups, where aware was the police or bylaw enforcement? Oh yeah, I forgot. They were too busy in Ottawa shutting down street preachers and prohibiting free Tamara Leach graffiti being written on the sidewalk and banning flags that were deemed too impolite to the Liberal Party of Canada. This is the state of affairs in Canada today. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his boyfriend, Jagmeet Singh, have absolutely no problem embracing such a despicable double standard and such horrific hypocrisy. Tell me, do you have a problem with it? Folks, going back a few days ago this week, that was quite the bombshell, wasn't it? Patrick Brown disqualified by the Conservative Party of Canada. But really, was it a bombshell? I mean, Patrick Brown and scandal go together like macaroni and cheese. And now that Brown is out of the race, even though he's down, he's not out, he's still fighting, but I doubt he's going to have a favorable outcome. The question arises, is this now going to be a coronation of Pierre Polyev? And who better to weigh in on this subject than the big boss man himself? And that would be Ezra Levent from Calgary. How are you doing there, Ezra? I'm doing great. By the way, David, thanks very much for hosting the show today. And uh, to our viewers at home, thank you. Um, I, I like to do the show as often as I can, but occasionally I have to travel. I'm in Calgary at the temporary office where we're housing 
our rebels. Uh, um, there's none behind me, but we have about eight people working out of here. Um, and we hope to have a forever home soon. <laughs> but um, one of the things I'm doing in town is later this afternoon, and I'm, we're, we're talking in midday, so by the time this airs, it will have happened. Um, our friends at the Western Standard Online are hosting a CPC, Con Con Conservative Party of Canada, leadership contest. And um, in some ways, it's anticlimactic because I think uh, one of the clashes that people expected would be Polyev versus Brown. Mm. Well, Brown is out of it for now. And I understand that Polyev is ducking the debate again. On the one hand, David, I could understand why someone who's such a front runner would say, I'm not going to go to the debate. I've already been to a couple. I don't want to go to any more because there's no upside for me. Party members already like me. I'm controlling my message by doing these prepared videos straight to the Internet. There's no reason I would go just to be a punching bag. I'm going to do my own thing. So I understand that from his own point of view. However, from a news point of view and a party member point of view, they probably would like to see more cut and thrust. It also is sort of a power move saying, I don't need to be there. I feel like I'm going to win. Let's just get over uh, this whole preliminaries and assume I'm going to win. Now, I think there is some sense to that. If the membership sales numbers, as reported in the media, are accurate, probably have sold over 300,000, twice as much as Patrick Brown himself claims to have done and most likely an insurmountable number. And that seems to ring true because, as you know, David, um, when Pierre Polyev would do events, they were very large. Mm. Uh, in Calgary, where I am today, he did an event over 5,000 people. That's unusual, especially in the springtime, summertime, to get that many people out. I admire many of the other candidates. I, I have a, an affection for Roman Baber, his principled, thoughtful, even lawyerly, opposition to the lockdowns when he was an MPP um, in Doug Ford's government, I think was really the best performance of any lockdown skeptic in the country. Mm. It was reasoned. It was calm. It was scientific. It was thoughtful. And the fact that he was thrown out uh, by Doug Ford is an eternal disgrace on Ford. Uh, of course, I'm a sentimental fan of Leslie Lewis, who I think is a wonderful uh, part of the conservative party. There are some other candidates. I think John Charest, i got to say this, John Charest is a red Tory. He used to be a liberal, and he supports things that rock-ribbed conservatives don't. Mm. That said, David, i got to tell you, I'm glad he's in the race. I'm, and I don't, I, I think he and Pierre Pauly are bashing each other pretty hard, um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Let, let the party have a good, hearty debate now. And really decide who it is. I think the problem with the previous two leaders, Aaron O'Toole and Andrew Shear before him, is that they wanted to be all things to all people. And they, and they actually flip-flopped and tricked people afterwards. Let us decide what the party stands for by having party members truly vote and have clear choices. So I do not begrudge John Charest his candidacy. I don't think he's going to win. And frankly, I don't think he's going to run if he doesn't win. But I like the fact that he wanted to run and... I actually find myself liking him as a person. Of course, I am more conservative than him. Of course, I would rather have a rock-ripped conservative as a leader. But I'm glad he's running. And, mm -hmm. and I don't think he's crooked or, or sneaky in the way that uh, Patrick Brown showed himself to be. So I, I sort of like where the race is going. I will be covering the debate today, even though it's going to be a little bit anticlimactic. 
And to Sheree's credit, too, Ezra, um, he always hung around after the previous debates to take questions, whereas some candidates uh, just bolted for uh, the exit. But my friend, what's consuming the oxygen right now? Um, When I was driving into headquarters, I was listening to all the talk radio. Everyone's still leading with the Patrick Brown uh, scandal. And I want to get your take on this, Ezra, because it's so do rigueur for Patrick Brown. There was a pattern here, regardless of where this man uh, is doing his politicking or who he's doing it for. And it's, he breaks the rules. He tries to get away with it. He gets caught. And then when he gets caught, he goes on the offensive saying, it's a conspiracy. Everyone's out to get me. I'm the victim here. You're re-victimizing the victim. Of course, he's lawyered up with maybe perhaps the the, the uh, most prominent criminal lawyer in the country, Ezra Marie Heinen. And yet I'm wondering if that is going to amount to a hill of beans. We've seen previous judgments in the past where judges have said, sorry, a political party, it's like a private company, a private club. They get to set their own rules, even if they've done something undemocratic, as Patrick Brown accuses the CPC of. It doesn't matter. What's your take? Does he have a snowball's chance in hell of getting reinstated into the race by lawyering up like this? Well, look, uh, no one in the public knows the details of the allegations against him that caused the Conservative Party to disqualify him. Uh, You must acknowledge it was quite weird that that disqualification happened close to midnight a few days ago. And if Patrick Brown is to be, be believed, and that's a big if, He claims he didn't know that was coming until he saw it in the media, and he replied even later that night. So um, we don't know what the allegations are. Were they the allegations that you flushed out Mm. in your great investigative work with our young reporter, Lincoln Jay? Or is there something darker? Um, I understand that uh, Elections Canada may be involved. I don't like Elections Canada. I don't really trust them. (laughs) Um, And as to your question of courts overruling, Listen, we want systems to be fair. And if someone spends $300,000 or whatever it was entering a race with certain rules, I think it is in the interest of society that, you know, whatever that contract is, if I pay you three hundred grand to run with these rules, those are going to be the fair rules. So I, I think there is some place for a court to intervene in a party matter. Uh, but I do not want to get to the point where unelected, unaccountable judges appointed by who knows who become the deciders for who gets to be uh, a political candidate or not. So I I do want the deference to be to the political parties to make up their own rules. And if they make up rules unfairly, let the voters punish them. So I think Patrick Brown, again, I'm putting myself in his shoes, even though I don't support the guy at all. Um, I think he's wise to, to lawyer up because I think it's quite likely he doesn't, he hasn't had full due process and even if he knows he's cooked, and I think he's cooked, yeah. I think he would have lost to Pierre Polyev. I think that he has a hopeless legal appeal, but he wants to show that he's going down fighting. Patrick Brown, I know one thing about him. He's unethical. I, I think in some ways he's even sociopathic, but he has a work ethic and an ambition that is quite remarkable. And he's being dumped and thrown out time and again, but he seems to bounce back. I think he wants to end his dalliance with the Conservative Party of Canada leadership going down fighting so he can later say, well, I never accepted I did anything wrong. Well, I tried to fight, but I was shut out. So I'm going to run for mayor of 
Thunder Bay, whatever his <laughs> next move is. I'm going to run for premier of Nova Scotia. And I, I'm throwing those out there because they're so disconnected to him. Just like the city of Brampton, he had very little to do with Brampton until one day he said, oh, I can become mayor there because I was thrown out as the PC party leader of Ontario. So I think that Patrick Brown is young enough and has enough connections and money and certainly ambition and uh, cold-heartedness that he has not done his political career. So he wants to end this as positively as possible. He does not want to admit anything. He wants to say it was rigged. He wants to blame others, including he blamed Rebel News. He wants to blame Storm so that he can fight another day and say, oh, that whole thing. Well, that was an inside job. I was framed. I never had a chance. That's why I'd like you to make me mayor of Montreal. <laughs> says next. Oh, Ezra, what do you have against the people of Montreal and Nova Scotia and Thunder Bay? Yeah. But you know what? Going back to what you said at the beginning, I agree with you, Ezra, that I wish there was more transparency from the CPC uh, in terms of the nitty gritty details of what Patrick Brown did wrong. Although I tend, if, if you're telling me who do you believe, Patrick Brown or fill in anyone in the world, I'm I'm going with uh, Mr. X. But the other thing, my friend, do you? I think whatever the reason is, and whether he's guilty or not, for that matter, we kind of got a foreshadowing of his leadership style by him being the mayor of Brampton the last four years. And by that, Ezra, uh, as you know, he has effectively canceled the last four City of Brampton council meetings. He's got some minion councillors that are loyal to him. They simply do not show up. There is no quorum. Therefore, the meeting is not legal. And the reason why he wants these meetings canceled is because on the docket, there are motions about several forensic investigations about how he's done contracts in the city, how he's done hiring. You know, Ezra, to me, if this guy was prime minister, uh, it'd be like proroguing parliament all the time yeah. in case something yeah. sensitive uh, comes up. What are your thoughts on that, my friend? Yeah, I know you and I talked a bit about this earlier this week, and I, I agree with you. And, you know, you'll, you'll never know what didn't happen, what might have happened. We'll never know. We can only speculate. But I think that, the, the, I mean, Patrick Brown is in his 40s. Um, I think his character is formed, and it is very unlikely that his personality and that his flaws and virtues will change. I mean, it's like uh, cement that has fixed, mm. um, that has set. And I think that he has, I'm not even going to call them ethical blind spots, because that implies that it's some, somehow accidental or unwitting. I think that he is amoral. And he will literally do anything and justify the means. And if he was derailed here, in part by your journalism and in part by other things we don't know, we will never know if that saved Canada from an ethical and corruption disaster. If I mean, we see what Justin Trudeau is doing to the country by installing his cronies in the RCMP, in various ministries, in like just seeing the disaster that Justin Trudeau is. Now, Justin Trudeau is a globalist and he's he's a narcissist, but in many ways he's not particularly intellectual and he's sort of uh, animated by handlers and, and others. Um, with Patrick Brown, I think it's selfish, self-serving, um, and, and personally corrupt. 
a lot of is is enriching himself and just personal power and putting someone like that in charge of Canada. Forget liberal or conservative party labels. I think Patrick Brown at the top of the apex of our country in a position where he makes all the major appointments, whether it's to the Supreme Court or the ambassadorships or chiefs of staff and cabinet ministers where he and where he's in charge of procurement. I think that, you know, there's a phrase kleptocracy. Mm. Sometimes third world countries, sort of banana republics, a strong man leader hoovers out billions of dollars from the country. Think of Nicolas Maduro uh, and Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. I truly think we'll never know. We'll never know. But someone with the morality and the ethics of Patrick Brown as leader of Canada, he could have Venezuela does. And I know you're saying, well, Ezra, that's impossible. We have such strong institutions, such checks and balances. Really? Show me how those checks and balances have worked over the last two years uh, rebuffing Trudeau. But Trudeau is a lazy man, and Trudeau sort of floats along gusts of winds while he has a, a retinue of thinkers around him. Trudeau is not really the master of things. Patrick Brown would be an obsessive control freak, putting his cronies everywhere in the government. This is my prediction, had he won. And we will never know the disasters that were averted by keeping him out of that top chair. The people in the city of Brampton are getting a taste of those disasters. Luckily, it's just Brampton-sized and not Ontario-sized or Canada-sized. No, Ezra, I totally agree with you. We'll never know for sure. But I have a hunch how things would go in this country with Patrick Brown as prime minister. And I think he, when it comes to the grifting file, I think he would make Justin Trudeau look like a Bush leaguer. And I base that on his behavior in the last four years in the city of Brampton. People might yeah. not know this, but when he was elected in 2018, Ezra, one of his first orders of business was to fire the integrity commissioner at the yeah. city of Brampton and replace him with a personal friend. So when we yeah. exposed him in the hockey rink and there was an yeah. investigation, the oh, I'm, not, I'm not even going to call it a slap on the wrist. The only thing she found him guilty of was not wearing his mask in the yeah, arena. Yeah, he's guilty. Of, you're guilty of looking so good. <laughs> yeah. You know so, what? I mean, and it's important, and let me close on this, it's important that conservatives – have this kind of hygiene in their own movement. And yes. one of the things I'm most proud of, of Rebel News, and frankly of you, David, and I don't think I say it enough, is that you in particular are not afraid to hold conservatives to account, whereas there are some conservative journalists who would never try, like like the disgraced Brian Lilly um, mm -hmm. of the Toronto Sun, who claims to be a conservative but would never say anything critical of Doug Ford. Now, that's partly because his mistress is Doug Ford's communications <laughs> assistant, but it's, but it's also because he sucks up to power. And on the left, we see that a lot. We see the Toronto star, the CBC who are very good at holding conservatives to account, put on kids gloves when dealing with liberal politicians, especially Trudeau. One of the things that I think makes rebel news special and that I personally believe in is that we are, we hold conservatives to account maybe even more vigorously than we hold liberals to account because we feel disappointed and tricked when conservatives are not conservative. I don't think anyone in the country has been tougher on Jason Kenney than we have been. Mm. I think we have been very vigorous against Doug Ford. Yep. We were very vigorous Fords 
critics, excuse me, of Aaron O'Toole. And I think that other journalists would have said, well, you're conservative. Go easy on the conservative guy. No, because we're not loyal to a party. We're not loyal to a person or a politician or a prince. We're loyal to the ideas, the system of accountability and democracy. And, and so I think it's interesting that the, that the person who did the most um, vigorous investigation into the character of Patrick Brown was not the Toronto Star, not a Brampton newspaper, not the CBC, not the Globe and Mail, despite their massive resources. It was by a conservative news organization yes. and by a young man named David Menzies and his understudy, Lincoln J. <laughs> and that there's something special about that, that the conservative outlet, Rebel News, has been keeping the house clean when it comes to so-called conservatives like Patrick Brown. Well, Ezra, I want to thank you uh, for your uh, kind words. And listen, my friend, uh, we could talk all day about this until the cows come home. And speaking of cows, I want to wish you a happy Stampede uh, weekend. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, Ezra, but when I started my journalism career in Alberta, one of my first assignments was going to the 1985 Smoky Lake, Alberta Rodeo. That was my first rodeo. I decided to do George Plimpton journalism by riding a bull. It was the bucking bull champion of the province the previous year. Ended up in hospital, so it was my last rodeo. Please, Ezra, for goodness sakes, don't do what I did. Don't do the stupidity of getting on a bull or anything yeah. with hooves. And, um, you know, have a great weekend. And we're all going to look forward to your uh, coverage of the debate. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. And that was Ezra Levent in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. Uh, more to come on the Ezra Levent Show right after this. Topping the newscasts uh, for the last few days in Canada has been the latest Patrick Brown scandal. And of course, uh, you had lots to say about it as well. Bob Wallace writes, This guy, Patrick, politics was a laser-guided professional choice for him. Lying, cheating, stealing from the taxpayer. Keep it up, Rebels. Well, thanks so much for that comment, my friend. But here's the deal. Wouldn't you say by now Patrick should learn from his mistakes? But it's the same old, same old, regardless what campaign he's in. He breaks the rules, he gets caught breaking the rules, and then he goes out and depicts himself as the victim of some conspiracy plot to get him. Uh, no, Patrick, maybe the problem is you. We agree to disagree, writes. His first response to the news is, you're not supposed to be here. To make it worse, the legacy media would call the news inappropriate. We all know this is true. Yeah, isn't it odd? I mean, we here at Rebel News, we have broken so many scandalous Patrick Brown stories. And the mainstream media, well, they either ignore the stories or they then run with the story themselves, but they don't give us any credit. Uh, gee, guys, pick a lane already. Well, that wraps up uh, this edition of the Ezra Event Show. The big boss man, he'll be back here on Monday. Have a fantastic weekend, folks. And hey, as always, stay sane.
apologies for Rebel News here at Parliament Hill. Well, there is a group of people with um, loudspeakers, it would appear, and it seems that bylaw is on the scene to, uh, I guess, eject them, ticket them. It's hard to tell what's going on, but we're going to be here and see what goes down in the moments ahead. Sir, can, can, can you tell me what the issue is here, please? The issue is that we had an uh, permit on Parliament Hill uh, for speeches, DJs, live music. We got in there and none of our people came in because they're getting strip searched. Well, not strip searched, but searched. Uh, their bags are getting gone through, their phones are getting checked. So nobody wanted to come in, rightfully so. So we tried to bring our speakers out to the street and OPS shut that down. So. And why is that, sir? Because Wellington Street is closed off. It has been since January, basically. That's, so what's going on? That's right. Well, they, they're saying we don't have a permit, so which we don't. Uh, but if we, uh, if we stay mobile, we can do our speeches just like we do when we do our marches. So. But it's odd because it, the space from Parliament Hill to the street here on Wellington is just a matter of a few meters, isn't it? That's correct, yeah. This is the Canada we live in now, so we get used to this. <laughs> you almost expect to see football guys with the chains come out and measure the distance. But So how is this going to be resolved? Well, that's yet to be seen, but uh, we're uh, pretty adaptable, so we'll find a way. We either do it here, keep moving. Or if uh, PPS wants to work with us, then we can get our, our speakers inside the fence and, uh, and make our speeches happen. And have they given you any threats in terms of fines or anything like that? Yeah, they did threat to, or threaten to fine us for our speakers, and they also threatened to take them if we didn't turn them off. So. And you just want to play music on your speakers, right? Music and speeches, that's correct. Yeah. On Canada's birthday. Does it feel like Canada these days to you? Uh, North Canada, yes. <laughs> Officer, can you tell me what's happening here, please? Sir, officer, can you tell me what's happening here? What the arrest? Nobody wants to talk to you, buddy. Don't worry. You're gonna go in here. Officer, could you kindly tell me what's happening here today? Because we are second-class Would you like me to tell you, buddy? Sure. What's, what's happening, sir? Communism. They're telling us what to do, where to go, where to stand, you move what we can say. To other it's corners. horrible, man. I thought protesting want, was allowed in Canada. We want, we want peace, right? Yes. So we're willing, we're going to work with them, and there is a permit for this. We're going in. I told them. A, we, permit, a permit for what, sir? For the, for the music, but we can't get through. They're checking everybody with metal detectors. Yeah. Huge lineups. We can't get in, right? So I said to her, let us in. So they don't want music on Parliament Hill, is that clear? Exactly. Oh, not man. out here. You're insulting me. Why are you touching me? No, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Why did you just touch me? Why did you just touch me? What? If I did that to you, would I, if I did that to you, would I get charged with assault? Yes. I probably would. Maybe he I probably would. Yeah, they're not letting me back in. Maybe he left us. You and I have talked. I know this. This is separate from that. He just he just assaulted me. They're holding the line so I can talk with your guy. No, I understand. Okay? That's all understand. they're doing. Okay. I'm just trying to get back so in because I gave a piece of my talk, personal I property to someone in there, and trying I'm just to facilitate trying to this for you. Okay. Let us do our job. We're not trying to conflict. You hear me? Understand? Okay. Thank you. Why don't Why don't you guys let us go in there and save the hospital? Yeah, open some more gates open so some that gates. Uh, we can get in faster. Let us go in, man. Let us in. We there. Got open the gates, please. Please, man. Is there actually a... Please. Is there actually a reason, officer, why you touched that man? Or? You won't talk to me, right? <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to get your side of the story, officer. That's all. 
So here's a familiar face to uh, Rebel News viewers. This is Jim Kerr, he of the bubble bus. Last time he was in Ottawa, I think the bubble bus got towed twice from private property, but that's the way they roll here in Ottawa. Jim, you were there when the police came or the bylaw enforcement officers uh, onto Parliament Hill. And like, what is going on? You, you, They can have the speakers on Parliament Hill, but they can't have it a few meters uh, over here on Wellington Street. Why is that? They applied for a permit. They got the permit for all day. Then they canceled the permit. And then after they canceled the permit, they let them have it again, but only between 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock. And because they're restricting everybody from going through on a very, very slow fashion, nobody can get up top. So when they had the speakers up top, they moved them closer, and then the uh, parliamentary police had a problem with it. They said, okay, fine, we're going to go out to the street. They came out to the street, the bylaw shut them down, and you heard the story from them. Well, there you have it, folks. I think there was some kind of compromise reached. It looks like the speakers are allowed on the other side of the fence separating Parliament Hill from Wellington Street. So, in other words, all that kerfuffle, all that nonsense, all that law enforcement theater, it all came down to a compromise in which the speakers were moved maybe, what, 10 centimeters? Well, at least they are getting to broadcast on Wellington Street. So, they won, I think. Protest, contrary to popular belief or the popular belief by the Liberal Party of Canada, um, supported by Jagmeet Singh, protest is still allowed on the streets of our great Dominion on Dominion Day. For Rebel News, I'm David the Menzoid Menzies.